our purpose is is laying a foundation of generational wealth, educating individuals on the aspect of generational wealth, and creating a legacy within um, what we're doing as an individual and as a family and as a business. Thanks for tuning in to the Purposeful Story Podcast, where purpose drives our actions and our actions are a result of our purpose. When you have a strong enough purpose, every action you take in life has meaning and power to it. Every entrepreneur is on a journey to fulfill their purpose, and the world needs to hear it. So without further ado, let's get right into the show. Today we have Isaac Jr. Olawalafe. CEO of DreamMaker Realty, a company that combines great minds and uses the power of real estate to create even greater investment opportunities. DreamMaker Realty has been taking over the real estate industry by storm for over a decade now, right? Yeah, over a decade, yeah. That's solid. That's solid. So, Isaac, thanks for coming on the show today. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Pleasure. It's great to be here. Okay, okay. And Bro, it's it's just amazing what you've been able to accomplish like within the real estate industry in the GTA right now. Like it's been it's like I commend you on that, man. Thank you. We thank God. It's been a it's been a good journey and we're excited of what we've been able to accomplish and sort of the future of the company as a whole because we're in a great city as well too. Mhm. Mhm. And you know the thing is too like I I you guys have been doing it for a while and I only found out about you guys recently mm. like i just how do you stay on like you're doing great things but you're not really being noticed i find yeah. you know what i mean i feel like the right people know about you Correct. but not a lot of people know about you and, and that's and that's the question we're we're, we're building wealth mm-hmm. more importantly generational wealth and that's not something that everyone aspires to achieve mm-hmm. everyone wants wealth but aspiring to achieve wealth takes a lot of sacrifice, hard work, dedication. And, you know, there's only a few people that have it in them to, to walk down that path. Mm-hmm. That's why for us, we try to focus with individuals that want to walk down that path with individuals that want to put in the work, the sacrifice, and we'll continue to provide that, that sort of example and that path and solution. Um, for them to be able to achieve that. So like you said, the right people know about what we're doing. And for us, we're not really about the flash, mm-hmm. um, and sort of, um, putting our name up out there. We, we like our product and our results to sort of do the talking for us. So, mm-hmm. you know, over the last 10 plus years, um, and my dad, 20 plus years, we've been able to touch the lives of hundreds of people, if not thousands of people. And, and they're doing the talking for us. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. That's solid, man. So Dreammaker Realty, where did this idea actually start from? Like, where did it begin? Like, tell me the <laughs> beginning, man. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, humble beginnings and it's still, it's still a humbled company and myself too, you know, just thanking God once again, sort of for where we are right now. You know, my dad, obviously a lot of people know about the story. My dad has been in real estate going on 20 years now. And, you know, moving to Woodbridge almost going on 18 years now and being exposed to real estate from an environment point of view within another community, the Italian community. And then from my home uh, with my parents being investors and still keeping the first property they bought in Martin Grove and Albion um, almost 25 years ago uh, or so when they bought that property and keeping that property and moving to Woodbridge. Right away, I saw the 
the value of an investor because mm-hmm. my parents was the first investor that I, that I saw. And, you know, that was sort of the first uh, exposure to real estate. And, you know, then I got into University of Toronto after high school in Woodbridge, got to University of Toronto and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And first started in computer science, then moved to economics and then realized that business and real estate was a passion that I had. And then, you know, at that time, just thinking of different names to sort of come up with, you know, I was 21, 22 years old, had a passion of real estate, knew I wanted to get into real estate. And then, you know, Dream Maker, Street Dreams, different names around Dream came about. Mm-hmm. You know, back then, one of my favorite artists was Fabulous. Mm-hmm. And he had an album called Street Dreams. You yeah. know, so, you know, that was a name that I was going around with. Uh, for a while until, you know, made the decision, um, to switch it over to just Dream Maker, you know, and then since then it's just been building off of the brand of Dream Maker Realty, Dream Maker Developments, Dream Maker, um, Dream Fund Holdings and all this, pretty much the dream, the dream brand. So, you know, got my first property, um, and alongside with, with Jude, which, uh, which the audience probably knows about as well too, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Jude was my first investor. You know, I got the property and then, you know, we just kept on pushing as a team. And then from there, you know, I started to introduce the idea of real estate to a lot of my friends at university. And obviously it was a new concept from an investment point of view because we're 22 years old and most people at that age weren't really thinking about investing while in school. They're focused on studying. But I realized that, you know, Toronto was the next New York saying this for the last 10 plus years. So I just kept on, you know, grinding and working out ways to buy more real estate. So just real quick question. How did you, how are you able to realize that Toronto would be what it is right now at, so that was, how many years ago was, was that? So I'm, I'm going to expose your age, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was 14 years ago. Yeah, it was close to 14 years ago that, that I, I just had a feeling that Toronto, you know, just doing, doing some studying of the area, Doing some studying of and talking to different individuals' parents um, about that were in real estate um, that invested internationally, and they talked about you know that's when I started to understand fundamentals. Mm-hmm. You know, so the fundamentals of what makes something valuable. So most people focus on speculation, and you know, I'm going to buy this product because it's going to appreciate. Why is it going to appreciate? I don't know because real estate appreciates. You know, but I wanted to buy real estate because it fundamentally made sense mm-hmm. from a short-term point of view and a long-term point of view. So really when I was studying the real estate market in general, I said, okay, you know what? Immigration is growing in Toronto in the GTA. Um, universities is doing well. So that's education. There's a lot of international students. So if there's a lot of international students, that means there's going to be a lot of foreign investments because their kids are here, mm-hmm. right? The healthcare is something that's strong. You know, our overall banking system was strong. So I was looking at all these different fundamentals. And based on that, I said, you know what? I think there's some great potential on Toronto as a whole, as a major city. And that's when I just started to look at areas where I could invest in that was affordable at that time. Most at that time, at 22 years old, I was just trying to buy real estate. So Kipling and Steels is my first property. I'm, um, I'm not Malvern. Um, Kipling and Steel, oh man. 
can't remember the address now. It was in Kipling Steels. And then from there was in Scarborough, Malvern Town Center. How much was your first property that you got? <sighs> Man, first property was $124,000. Jeez. So $124,000. Remember when I bought it, it was zero down. Um, at that time, they allowed zero down. It was mm-hmm. a high interest rate, almost 7% interest rate, 30-year amortization. Mm-hmm. Everyone thought I was crazy buying a property, 30-year amortization. But they didn't understand that the premise of me buying it was not to take 30 years to buy to pay it off, mm-hmm. but just to get into the system of ownership. Mm-hmm. right? And that's a property within 14 years was paid off because I kept the payments at if it was 6.7% interest rate. And as many people know, the rates dropped to 3%, 2.5%, et cetera. Um, and since I kept the payments based on 6.7, it paid it off a lot faster, mm-hmm. right? But the key was I got into the system, and then from there, I was able to sort of get into more valuable um, properties in downtown and other parts of the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's solid, man. That's that's solid because, <laughs> I, I mean... You know, I am a bit younger than you, but mm-hmm. even at the age of 22, like to think that far ahead, like that's, 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 that doesn't like happen by accident. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, were there any influences in your life that sort of made you think like that? Or were you always, did you always have that engraved in you? No, again, it's, it's the exposure. I was fortunate that I was exposed to entrepreneurship driven parents. Mm-hmm. Um, I was exposed to an environment where, you know, being a business owner, being a developer, being a builder, being an investor wasn't, um, wasn't special. It was, it was the common thing, mm-hmm. right? So talking to a lot of my friends while in high school, you know, they'll say, yeah, you know, we know this person that owns this land or we know this person that's buying these properties. We know these person that own this, um, this apartment building and, and seeing how real estate was being used um, as a fundamental piece to build wealth, mm-hmm. right? So that exposure, plus seeing my parents, you know, renting out their first investment property, generating cash flow off of that, you know, and and thinking of how they could buy a second one and a third one and how they could buy one for each of their kids was sort of inspiration that, you know, obviously real estate works. You know, how I transitioned to actually being an agent and running the brokerage, that more so came from people asking me um, to help them buy property because they saw me buying property. Mm-hmm. You know, and at first, I'll just refer them to my dad because my dad was already an agent. And then obviously, I saw that the age gap, you know, my dad being 50-ish, and then, you know, we're 22, 23, you know, as much as he was able to help you know, the age gap was there. So I said, you know what, while still in university, while still working midnight shift at UPS, while still having my day job after university, I started to take my real estate courses, got my real estate license, and then start to help individuals um, directly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeez, man. Jeez. And it's just, you know, the audience can't see it, but you're just <laughs> so calm and relaxed about it that you've accomplished all of this stuff. But I guess you're calm and relaxed because I feel like there's just way more for you to accomplish. Right? Well, I, I just think, you know, when, when, when I bought my first property, um, Kipling, Kipling Steels, um, uh, Lane, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, 21 Marbrook Lane. You know, when I bought my first property there and then in Malvern across the Malvern Town Center, you know, 
to think that we would be developing a condo across of Yorkdale Mall, a mall that, you know, will take the subway to go downtown to mm-hmm. U of T or just to go downtown in general, you know, now only God would know something like that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, it was over t- almost close to 11 years ago when we registered DreamMaker Developments, but it was only five and a half years ago when we launched it. Mm. Right. So, you know, it's probably going to be one of your questions in terms of, you know, when to know how to go after something like we knew where we wanted to be as a company, as an individual 10 plus years ago. That's why I launched DreamMaker Developments, um, launched DreamMaker Management, launched Dream Fund Holdings, launched all these different companies based on knowing sort of where we want to get to, but knew that we were humbly just buying a property for 140. Right. And we weren't at the stage to get to the development stage, but we knew that eventually we wanted to get there. And I knew that the best way to get there is through hard work, sacrifice and being an expert in the game. Mm-hmm. Jeez, man. Jeez. So, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of detail and process that goes to <laughs> like developing a condo. Yeah. Like really quickly, if what, what does it take to actually get to this point to, to actually develop a condo? So it's um a lot of calculated risk, mm-hmm. you know, and, and understanding the market um, and understanding the industry that you're in. Because as a developer, there's so many moving parts. Um, you you got to have the ability to manage, obviously, people in trades. You got to have the ability to understand the market mm-hmm. because you're going to be selling units. And sometimes you'll be selling units when the market is hot or when the market is cold. Um, you got to understand scheduling. Because mm-hmm. you got to schedule a whole redevelopment and that could take you two years, three years, four years. You know, you got to understand city policies, right? Because different city policies could affect if a property is going to be, a project is going to be approved, if you're going to get your permits. Uh, you got to understand some legal aspect because mm-hmm. you're preparing a whole bunch of legal documents for purchasers to sign. So you got to make sure that you understand what documents are being put together. Right. You got to understand the finance side, right? Because it's a large financial obligation. Um, there's a lot of interest payments that needs to be made. So you got to make sure that your budget and your calculations are, are done properly. You know, like I, I remember one of my lawyers says, um, a developer is pretty much somebody that knows a little bit of legal side, knows a little bit of project management, knows a little bit of accounting, knows a little bit of planning. Right. So where's multiple hats, even though you eventually hire individuals to drive each division, but you got to know what they're driving. Yeah. Yeah. Right? You can't just sit back. You got to know what they're driving. Mm-hmm. Jeez, man. Jeez. That's, and I guess a lot of these skills have sort of been developed through courses you've taken. Um, and you know, experience as well. Right? Correct. Yeah. It's experience and reading a lot. Like, mm-hmm. like, and just watching a lot, reading a lot and, and just crafting your skills, right? Mm-hmm. There's, like I said, it's 14 years, but it's about, you know, seven, eight years of me working with other developers, selling units for other developers, sitting down with them, getting an understanding of why do they need to sell 75% before the, the lenders give them money? Mm-hmm. You know, why did they pick this project? Understand that, okay, if the market were to crash, what's your exit strategy? Can you turn them into a rental unit? Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Can you turn into a furnished rental unit? What's the difference between a furnished rental unit and a and a rental unit that's not furnished? Um, can you assign the units? You know, what's the policies around assignments? You know, so there's so many different moving parts that the more you understand, the more you're able to maneuver any issues as they come because they are going to come. Mm-hmm. It's just how you deal with it as they come. Okay. Okay. And what separates Dreammaker Realty from other realty companies? The experience. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of brokerages. There's a lot of agents that say, you know, they're with a brokerage because that brokerage has done X amount of sales, et cetera. It's great. Sales is good, but we're not a sales company. Um, the company was birthed out of two individuals that were investors. My dad is a real estate investor. I am a real estate investor. We decided to launch a brokerage to educate other individuals how to invest in real estate, whether you're buying it to move into or buying it to rent out. You're buying an investment. I always tell people, you know, if you buy a home, and you move into that home and in five years you sell it and you don't make money on it, you're going to say, Oh man, we bought a bad investment. You don't say you buy a, a you bought a bad home, uh-huh. right? You bought it as a home that you want to move into and furnish and decorate, et cetera, like your home, grow your family. But the second you're selling that property, you're not thinking of it as a home anymore. You're saying, I hope I make a good in return on this investment. Yeah. So that was our strategy right from the get-go. We wanted to educate individuals that they're buying an investment, the biggest transaction, investment transaction they're going to probably do, and they better work with an expert that is experienced in buying themselves, mm-hmm. right? So we try to encourage every agent as part of the team to to own real estate, multiple real estate, so that they're not just looked at as an agent trying to generate commission, mm-hmm. but a knowledgeable agent that has an investment background. And if you're an, if you have an investment background, that means you understand the marketplace that you're in. You understand the, the pros and the cons of investing. You understand the benefits of investing in a community, the benefits of investing near transportation. If you're an investor, you know whether you know, a new hospital is coming. What's the pros and cons of that? Subway access, transportation, extensions, et cetera, right? Those are things you think of from an investor point of view and not from a home buyer point of view. And does it have hardwood? Mm-hmm. Is it stainless steel appliances? Those are all things that could be added to an investment to make it livable as a home. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of the first thing that differentiates DreamMaker Realty from any other brokerage. But then the other DreamMaker brands that are incorporated within the brokerage that substantially um, sort of, I feel, is changing the game of how any brokerage is done um, right now. Because we, like, right from that, the day one, we've been talking about the vertical integration, you know, which is helping individuals from the buying and selling side, from the management side, from the um, financing side, and now from the development side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always found it interesting. There's, there's tons of real estate agents out there who they, they have one home and they're just, their main thing is, um, just helping people buy homes. You know, I mean, they don't have any investment background and I've, or I don't have any interest to invest. They don't know about investing at all. And I've always found that kind of amazing. Like, I feel like a real estate agent, that's something you should be educated about. You know, correct. Yeah. Again, it's, you could be a salesman or salesperson 
um, for any product, mm-hmm. car, iPhone, watches, real estate, right? But then you could be an investor of certain products as well too. And an investor will understand the product a little bit different than a salesperson, mm-hmm. right? Because a salesperson understands it from a surface point of view in terms of selling the product. But an investor that has to put in their hard-earned capital in it will understand it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I was investing in all of the products that, that we've invested in, properties that we've invested in, you know, we're analyzing the numbers a little bit different than if it has, you know, stainless steel appliances or not, right? We're, we're analyzing it a little bit different. Is there a high school or elementary school coming near the area? Is there any talks of a, of a subway extension near the area? Mm. Is there any talks of a potential hospital? Um, and, and that's how we bought this land when we bought it uh, at, at, across of Yorkdale, because we understood the fundamentals that were coming around the area. We understood that Oxford was investing a billion dollars into a luxury mall. We understood that the city announced a subway extension into Woodbridge or Vaughn from Yorkdale to York University and then Vaughn. We understood the new, the first digital hospital being built around the corner on 401 in Keel. You know, so we understood those fundamentals. So regardless of what the market was doing four and a half years ago, which it wasn't that good, you know, we still went all in on our first development, um, because we understood the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause we're an investor company. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm taking a real estate, you know, investment course myself. And, you know, I, we've, there's a lot of like, um, numbers and stuff that go into analyzing a property, but, you know, you go like really deep into it, yeah. man. Like looking at a whole broader perspective, right. like covering every area. Yeah. So it makes sense. You're, you're where, where you're at right now. Yeah. <laughs> that's solid, man. That's Thank solid. You. Now with all the changes that's happening in the real estate market in the GTA, what advice would you give to a young person who is looking to buy their first investment, um, property in a market where it's like the prices are not as affordable as mm-hmm. it used to be? So the prices aren't as affordable as they used to be, and it's going to continue to be that way. Um, because again, like if you want to think about the GTA, you got to think about the fundamentals and the GTA fundamentally is only growing. Mm-hmm. You know, they're growing from, again, as I mentioned earlier, they're growing from a immigration point of view. That's only growing from a capital infrastructure point of view from the public sector is growing. From the private sector, they're investing a lot of capital. Companies want to move here from the states. You know, think um, what's happening in the U.S. right now is actually helping Canada and helping Ontario and helping Toronto from a growth point of view. When you look at the healthcare system, is only growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at the education system, is only growing. When you look at the tech world, you know the tech world is growing substantially. That's a, a piece that. And a industry that hasn't even scratched a surface yet yeah. in terms of the impact directly and indirectly that the tech industry has in Toronto. So we're excited about that because that's going to make a lot of changes in terms of indirect growth within the real estate market. Once you start seeing more tech companies coming to the city, um, more companies come into the city, uh, more companies exit, go public. When they go public, their employees get richer and wealthier. Once you 
we get richer and wealthier, you have more disposable cash. And when you have more disposable cash, we typically buy real estate and a few other toys, but you're typically buying real estate. If more people are buying real estate, it, it just drives the prices up. If more people are coming to the city, it drives up um, either home ownership or rental. Mm-hmm. If rental ability prices are going up and vacancy rates are going down, it gives more reason for an investor to buy a unit because they know that it wouldn't be vacant. It'll be occupied. So that gives them more comfort. So if there's more investors looking to buy units and more home buyers looking to buy units and more companies coming to the city and more um, immigrants coming, uh, migrating to the city, that just creates more demand mm-hmm. and more demand equals price increase, right? So not crazy increases like we've seen the last five, seven years, but good gradual um, increases. So all I could tell a young individual, couple, family and um, looking into getting to the real estate market is just, you know, work with an expert company and individual and get into the market one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just all about getting it in. It's all about getting get it. it done. There's never a perfect time to get in. Mm-hmm. When I got in 14 years ago, the interest rates were high. You know, things weren't appreciating that much, but I knew I had to get in. Mm-hmm. Right. And now there's no 30 year amortization. I don't think there's even 25 year amortization. I think it's only 20. You know, now interest rates are starting to creep up. It's not. 3% anymore. So there's never a perfect time because, you know, when rates were 2.5%, prices were appreciating so much and people still thought it wasn't good to get in. Mm-hmm. And now rates are getting a little bit higher and prices are selling down a little bit and people are still thinking not to get in. You know, three, four years ago, people were saying prices are so expensive, but, you know, we went to the waterfront and brokered 70 units at $235,000, mm-hmm. you know, $24,000 down. You know, and this was at a time when things were quote unquote expensive. You know, went, we went to Queen West and bought two bedrooms, two washrooms for $240,000. Mm. We went to Downforth in Woodbine and bought two bedrooms, two washrooms, um, almost a thousand square feet for 371 in front of the Downforth, uh, subway. So it is having access. Uh, when you have access, regardless of the marketplace, you'll find a deal. Um, and if you, when you understand the market, regards the market, you'll find a deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what, 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 what did it for you too is that you got access to the knowledge and you took advantage of that and you, you acted on it. You Correct. Know what I mean, and Correct. there's so many people out there, you know, there's so much knowledge out there, like tons. It's just, it's in the air almost, Correct. right? But people aren't, aren't taking action on it. They're right? not taking action, which is hard. Mm-hmm. It's like, again, we, we took a lot of risk. Again, it was calculated risk. I always think, you know, when you wake up, you go to university or your college for four or five years, hoping you get a job, that's a risk, mm-hmm. right? But you, you calculate the risk by trying to take courses that you have an interest in, but more, more importantly, courses that have a potential of getting you that good job. Yeah. Right. So you calculated that risk of spending three to four years and a lot of money to get a degree. You calculated it by knowing that if I do take this courses and I do this co-op, um, after that four years, I'm going to get a good job. So same thing with us. We knew we were taking a risk at 22, but you know what? We knew that that's a probably the least responsibility time period that we're in. Mm-hmm. No mortgage, living at home, no major expenses. You know, so I knew if I just got a part-time job or two part-time jobs and I had no expenses, well, then that's money not to go clubbing, 
not to buy Nike shoes, not to go on vacation, but money that I could use to start funding my business and funding real estate purchases mm-hmm. at the lowest period of time when I had no expenses. So when my expenses do come and responsibilities do come, my foundation is already set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's amazing that you're able to think like that at that age, man. That's wow. <laughs> so now like you guys built the Ryerson DMZ, correct? Well, so not the Ryerson DMZ, the, the DME. So the digital DM- media experience. Okay, okay. Which is a component of the DMZ, mm-hmm. right? So the digital media experience is sort of where, um, entrepreneurs, students from different, um, Subjects come together and get access to 3D printers, get access to AR, VR technology and other forms of technology and learn how to collaborate and use that technology to come up with a business idea. Mm-hmm. Once they have a business idea and there's some traction and they're generating revenue, then they are package it and try and pitch to get into the DMZ. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's solid. Yeah. So we gave a gift to what is probably one of the most popular room within the sort of the new wave of library, the digital library. Mm -hmm. Um, and and yeah, we're excited about the gift and obviously the relationship that we have with Ryerson. Okay. Okay. And you guys have recently partnered with uh, Canada basketball as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's probably, you will know better than me, but that's probably your first time that you guys are sort of putting you guys out in the forefront. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's about right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially not from an education point of view, but yeah, the partnership with Canada Basketball, again, we came in at a time where basketball is growing, obviously, a lot and has been for many years in um, in Canada. Um, but, but very recently, over the last three to five years, we've seen more players out of Toronto um, ranking or being picked in the draft top three. And it's going to continue like that. So, again, just like buying in Toronto real estate before it got to that peak, we saw an opportunity to partner up with Canada basketball um, before it got out of reach, mm-hmm. right? We, we saw it as an undervalued asset and a great opportunity for us to align ourselves with a great organization and obviously with, uh, with the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bro, it seems like you're just like catching all of these <laughs> opportunities at the right time. Like what does it take to sort of get there? Like how much time a day do you spend sort of trying to calculate mm-hmm. that? Well, that's why I like it's, it's like for me again, we thank, we thank God for just obviously divine wisdom and favor. Um, but it's, it's, it's really, you know, just studying everything. Mm-hmm. There's nothing specific that I study. I just read about everything, you know, read about every headline, read international headlines and try and try and look at things from a chess point of view, look at things from, um, a connecting point of view. Okay. How does this action here connect to this and connect to that and play out the steps, right? And that's, and that's what I do every day in every type of type of thing. Like we launched an insurance brokerage, um, like less than a year ago, you know, only because of the partnership we did with Ryerson. And then while doing a walkthrough with Ryerson, I saw, the DMZ. And then while at the DMZ, I saw companies that wanted advice and, and mentorship and capital. So as a result of that, we launched Dreammaker Ventures. And then we invested in a company called Client Desk, which we saw was a 
um, insurance technology product for insurance brokerages. And then I say, you know what? On the real estate side, we spend a lot of money on, on insurance. So let's launch an insurance brokerage, but digit, but digitally focused and technology focused. And then we collaborate and launch Dream Insurance Brokers. And just two months ago, we got an award for one of the most technology driven brokerages in the city. Jeez. Right. And just launched it 10 months ago. Mm-hmm. Right. Again. So again, when it, it, that all happened within the last 24 months or 36 months, because again, we were looking at things from a high level point of view. And just looking at where the future is going in, in all different industries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, I'm, I'm sure that takes a lot of capital to sort of, <laughs> you know, and, and just to think it all started from, um, what, 110, 110K property that you purchased. And now you have, you've built your own condo. You have your own, um, insurance company, right? It's, it's, bro, that's, that's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. So what's next for, for DreamMaker Realty? You know, the exciting part of DreamMaker Realty or, or DreamMaker really as a whole, um, is, you know, cause it's funny, DreamMaker Realty, like I said, started off as more so of a educational slash investment company that I was, you know, I had a business card cut up, you know, I couldn't even afford to get it printed. So I just had to cut up <laughs> sheet and giving it out to people. Um, and then that grew into a real estate brokerage and then that spinned off DreamMaker Management, the management company spinned off the wealth management side, Dream Fund Holdings. Um, then it spinned off DreamMaker Developments. Then it spinned off, um, DreamMaker Property Management. Um, now it's spinning off, um, Dream Suites. So we're excited about Dream Suites because this is now getting us into the, to the hotel space. Mm. And uh, the first project that we're doing is right at the airport. You know, we bought a building again, thinking outside the box. We bought a building. We rezoned the building and we're, we turned it into a boutique hotel. It's under construction right now. And again, fundamentally, you know, Pearson Airport is one of the busiest airports in North America. It's expanding. Our building is minutes from the airport, minutes from the highway and, um, is, is small enough for us to control. And it gives us the ability to sort of utilize all our skills over the last 10 plus years, which has to do with developing, building, managing, and, um, and growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's one piece we're excited about. Um, and then we just launched Dream Legacy Foundation. So we're excited about our foundation that we launched. The purpose behind the foundation is providing access to marginalized communities when it comes to construction industry and the technology industry. So we're trying to streamline the partnerships and relationships that we have to provide access to individuals who want a career path in the real estate and development stage and in the technology space. Um, so we're excited about that. And then, you know, we're just going to keep on building this asset management company and see where God takes it and, you know, try and see how we could also take this knowledge and resources and experience back home um, to Africa eventually. Wow, yeah. that's big. That's big. And you're originally from Nigeria. Nigeria, right? correct, correct. Yeah, I um, came here when I was four. Okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay, yeah. okay. And it's interesting because if you look at most of the black billionaires, they all well, most of them, yeah, most of them come from my Nigeria. Nigeria, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yep. And what is it about Nigeria? What do you guys have <laughs> on every all all the other black individuals across the world? Like, what, what is it? In, like, what is it from you guys? 
Well, you know, Nigerians are, I think, entrepreneur mindset driven. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're hardworking. I, I think we're hardworking people. You know, Nigerians want to be able to do more. You know, we're, we're praying for, you know, the government to help lay better foundation for us to do more. And I think that we have the ability to do just as well as, you know, India and China and other, mm-hmm. other major places that have a large population. Um, you know, and God willing, you know, there will be, well, for sure there's going to be growth in Africa. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's the next frontier. And, and Nigeria will play a big part in it. Ghana is playing a big part in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously other parts of, um, other parts of Africa, but no, but definitely the hard work, you know, educate, education, um, is very important. And that's why you, you look at all, a lot of the major universities here in North America, in the UK, you know, you'll, you'll find a Nigerian there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So, you know, I, I got to ask this question. You don't have to answer if mm-hmm. you don't, like, if you don't feel comfortable, but you know, it's, it's really important that a lot of people, you know, entrepreneurship is something that's seen as flashy, you know what I mean? Cars, you know, you know, just flashy stuff, right? But clearly you've put in the work, you've put in the groundwork. Like, you know, I speak, spoke with Judy, told me you guys are up till like four or five a.m. Yep. at night, just crunching numbers, yep, right? So, yep. you know, it's taking all this time, but like how much, um, in assets, you know, I mean, have you guys accumulated so far, like from, from the time you began? Wow. That's a good question. Oh man. How do I answer that? You know, it depends on which division that you're, that you're looking at, mm-hmm. you know, like, like, you know, dream residence at Yorkdale, you know, it's a, it's just under a $50 million development site. You know, right now we got 10 developments happening around the GTA, mm-hmm. um, value finish asset of each of them, uh, combined is just under maybe $600 million, Jeez. um, worth of, worth of assets, um, finished. You know, we got the Young and King Road. It's 190 stacks in a very wealthy established area in Oak Ridges, um, backing onto $2.5 million homes. You know, Bayview and York Mills, we're doing $2.5 million townhouses. Near Kleinberg, we're doing half, uh, five million dollar custom homes, mm-hmm. um, there. Um, you know, and then, you know, we were fortunate. We bought a whole bunch of rooming houses, um, downtown, five minute walk to Ryerson and, and Dundas Square. We bought four of them. You know, at that time, we bought them each at an average of 1.5 each. And, you know, we put in, um, maybe half a million dollars in renovation. Now they're worth about four million dollars each. You know, in a span of 24 months, mm-hmm. you know, we've been, we've been fortunate and, you know, and all we keep doing is reinvesting into, into our product. Like we're, you know, our office is now penthouse commercial space right across Yorkdale mall, a multi-billion dollar mall, you know, that's only expanded and, you know, Yorkdale is going through a 20 year redevelopment and you know, we're the first residential building right across of it. So we're going to be seeing a lot of growth. Um, as a result of that, you know, we got another development in Ajax, 42 stack townhouses right across of Lifetime. Mm-hmm. You know, that one again, we want to package to keep majority of those units and turn that into, you know, rental again, opportunities as well too for investors. This is right across the street of two hotels. So, you know, there definitely there's short term rental demand in that area. There's two rental, uh, two hotels. You know, so, you know, we, and obviously we're, we got a venture fund as well too, Dreammaker Ventures. 
You know, we've invested in up 15 tech companies. You know, one of the rounds that we were in was led by Goldman Sachs, which put in, which was a $50 million round um, that we were part of. Intel Ventures in investing in another company that we were a part of, which was a $5 million round. You know, so we've been, we're, we're, we've been fortunate that we've gone into a lot of different, um, um, industries and a lot of assets in each of those industries. And we, we, we control a lot of those plays in each of those industries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's bro. That's well, man. <laughs> and it's crazy how humble you are, man. Like, wow, man. Like, oh, that's- thank God, man. It's not like, it's not like if, if I were to take credit for this, I wouldn't, I, I'll be. I'll be lying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll be lying. You know, God, God provided the the wisdom, the favor, the relationships. You know, it's not it's not just me. We got a good team, people that believe in the dream. Mm-hmm. You know, literally believe in the dream. You know, so that's that's why you see that we're a company where you know people that you know, individuals that I went to elementary school is part of our team. Individuals that I went to high school is part of our team. Mm-hmm. University is part of our team. Family is part of our team, right? It's not a lot of companies where you could find those different characteristics and dynamics. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, everyone believes in the dream and everyone believes in the dream because they're, they're, they're taking a piece of that dream and growing themselves mm-hmm. individually and as a family, you know, and taking that piece of the dream and that message and using it to benefit not only themselves, but their friends and family. Mm-hmm. So that's why, like, to ask how many people have we touched, it's hard to say. Mm-hmm. You know, it's thousands. I think it's thousands, right? If you look from, from my dad and those that he's touched and told to get into real estate 20 plus years ago, and from me getting into it 14 years ago, and the individuals that I've told to get into it, and those that got into it, and the individual they told to get into it, and people that's worked for our company and that are either directly still connected to our company or not connected to our company, but you know, they're out there doing things that is fundamentally connected to our company because of the exposure they got through us. Mm-hmm. Right. So we know whether within the community and outside the community, you know, Dreammaker will be a brand that will live forever, right? Because we've we're focused on infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And infrastructure lives forever. Yeah. Right. And legacy lives forever. So that's, that's our main goal right now. It's not about making money, flipping, flipping some real estate, getting some commission is building a legacy. So like in 10, 20, 30, 50 years, hundred years from now, you know, our next two, three generations will be able to say there was a group of individuals call themselves dream makers and they started to lay a foundation and infrastructure within the community and they started to set a mindset within individuals within the community on creating wealth. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, we're doing well because of what my grandfather or grandmother was part of, you know, mm-hmm. they, they were either an investor of Dreammaker or they knew Dreammaker or they heard a message from Dreammaker. So they bought their first property. Mm-hmm. So they bought their first investment and they didn't sell it right away. They rented it out. And while the market went up or down, they rented it out. Mm-hmm. And when we were graduating from school or getting married, they passed it to us. Mm-hmm. So we continued that, that same, um, 
tradition. Mm-hmm. And that's how generational wealth is created. Mm-hmm. And that's, and, and, and we, that's, that's what we're part of creating. Yeah. That's solid. And real last, before we move on to the purpose around, um, you know, in, in the, the real estate investment course I'm looking at, we, we talked about a study how, like, if you look on a worldwide stage, like Hong Kong, for example, like the property over there is, you know, explosive, like way more, um, than what it is down here in Toronto, like Times Square, New York, like it's way more. So a lot of people are like, wow, the prices are so expensive, but really, I mean, we haven't really seen anything yet. You know, if you really want to be 100%. You want to compare. Yeah. I, I think we're substantially relatively cheaper than, you know, the New York, the San Fran, Paris and other major cities around the world. So there's substantial growth mm-hmm. um, coming. It's not going to be like straight growth with no, with no um, sort of periods of fallback or period of where the market is flat, but fundamentally there's going to be long-term growth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. As a business owner, the more you can leverage your time, the better it is for your company. There is this amazing online resource called Fiverr, where you can hire someone for just $5 to do just about any task for you. Whether it be logo design, market research, videography, or website building, Fiverr has it all. Please go to imkobe.com forward slash resources and click on the Fiverr icon to make an account. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Welcome to the Purpose Round, where we ask our entrepreneurs the right questions that really bring out the purpose behind their business and their entrepreneurial journey. So, Isaac, what is your purpose as an entrepreneur? So, like again, as mentioned, our, our purpose is, is laying a foundation of generational wealth, um, educating individuals on the aspect of generational wealth, and, and creating a legacy within um, what we're doing as an individual and as a family and as a business and trying to help as many people through those businesses to, to create wealth um, along the way. Okay. Yeah. What is an everyday habit that adds value to your purpose? Thanking God. You know, every day we're thanking God and, and, and sort of examining potential challenges and, and plays that I could do within the day I'm about to go, um, go into and, and other individual and sort of corporate plays that I could do, um, to position myself to do better. Right. Mm-hmm. So no, but it always starts out with thanking God sort of for what we have the ability to do. You know, we, we get to have fun with what we do. We do it with people that we, that we love and want to be around and, and in a space, um, that we enjoy. Okay. Yeah. If you could have a conversation with one person, living or dead, who would it be and why? Hmm. It's a good question. <sighs> From a faith point of view, I'll say Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. From a faith point of view, I'll say, say him because obviously from the ability of being humble, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and, and faith, you know, having faith and obviously going through many challenges. You know, so that'll be a good conversation. And then, you know, living, I'll say, you know, probably Warren Buffett, mm-hmm. you know, because there's a lot of fundamental strategies that, you know, watching him, he's a, he's a guy that very long-term thinking, um, in terms of, um, his investment strategies, um, and his fundamentals, everything he does, he looks at it from a fundamental point of view. 
you know, if it fundamentally makes sense, he wants to invest in it, invest as much he can in it and, and hold it as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, just real quick side question. You know, long-term wealth is, is, it should be the goal, but when is that time to know when to pull out of the investment or when to leave it in? Like when, how do you find that balance? It's a good question. Um, it's, it's all, it's, it's very personal. It's a, it's a personal decision, really, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like for us, you know, the more asset we have, the more asset we could leverage to do other plays, right? You know, you, you could buy and sell, buy and sell. I, I see buying and selling just generating a good income. Mm-hmm. You know, and whenever you generate a good income, you pay a fat tax bill and then you do it again. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you know, when you have assets, you just, there's other tax shelter plays that you're able to do. Um, and then you can leverage that asset to do other plays as well, too. Right. So, you know, when you're thinking of generational wealth, you know, and passing on assets, you know, that means you're holding on for quite a bit. Um, but you know, along the way, you're able to pull out. Um, and, um, refinance, pull money out and use that to, to reinvest as well too. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What is your main strategy for organizing your day? <sighs> main strategy for organizing my day is, um, you know, looking at my calendar, you know, it's, it's good now that I sort of use a calendar. I remember like seven, eight years ago, I sort of, everything was all scheduled in my head. I'm like, okay, I think I got a meeting from this time to that time. All that was scheduled in your head, uh, man? Yeah, it was was crazy. It was crazy. But but with the the help of my wife, and I got a nice uh, calendar, which which is still hard to to manage only because, you know, conversations that I have with with individuals and organization, whether business or non-business, you know, I like to take my time in those conversations. So it always drags on to the next meeting, Mm -hmm. right? And, you know, obviously... You know, when you're trying to balance your schedule between, you know, home and business and with kids, um, it is your calendar sometimes gets blown up. Yeah. Right. So it's, uh, you, you, you try as best as possible to work within your, your schedule, your calendar. But, you know, when, when your kids have a, you know, a school trip or they have a soccer game or a swimming lesson and you got to leave, ex- get there for four o'clock. You gotta leave the meat in halfway. It's, uh, it, it makes it tough, but you know what? It's, um, it's important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What was your worst entrepreneurial moment and what did you learn from it? Worst entrepreneurship moment. Hmm. Well, definitely the hardest, I'll say, decision or sort of the hardest um entrepreneurship period was when I was doing this project um the the Yorkdale project dream residence at Yorkdale that was obviously my biggest challenge um and trying to convince not only individuals but corporation banks um that they could believe cuz with dreammaker you can make a lot of money uh we fundamentally understand the real estate market so investing with us is is um something that is beneficial to you um but when us right mm-hmm. there's even people that invested with us and made money with us but they didn't believe we could move to that next level mm-hmm. so it was a good eye opener to know who will be with us for the next phase of our of our, car- our career and our business um so th- that period was challenging because 
I had to learn a lot of things fast. I had to make a lot of quick decisions, quick decisions that were big financial um, decisions in terms of if I made the wrong decision, you know, a lot of things financially could have happened. Um, but, you know, I had to believe in myself, you know, have faith that I was going down this path for a reason mm-hmm. and, and sort of rest assured that, you know, I was prepared for this. Right. So I would say that period, because we went through, when we bought this site, we went through almost a year of meeting with partners, with other builders, construction management team, lenders, and we got a lot of no's. We got a lot of people we met with that wanted to take advantage of a young 28 year old mm-hmm. individual that secured land. That's crazy, man. Right. And, That's- and <laughs> you know, it's, um, but you know, we thank God that after that year, you know, he was able to show us and show the team and show me what direction to take, who to do it with, how to do it. Um, and, and we just, you know, kept that faith on and that's, that, that's what's seen us through it. Okay. Okay. If you had to build a business from the ground up with only a hundred dollars, how would you leverage that? Relationships. Right. So with a hundred dollars, I'll first go to the library and study as much as possible or go online and study as much as possible because that's free, Mm -hmm. you know, and then, you know, as an expert in that space, I'll try and find other experts that have capital mm-hmm. or other individuals that have capital that, that want to partner up with someone that's an expert in the space, with someone that's hardworking, um, and with someone that's dedicated to make sure that whatever partnership they do, they're going to make money in. Mm-hmm. And then I wouldn't use the hundred dollars because I'll be in a partnership where I'll be bringing all that expertise. They'll be bringing the capital. And then the proceeds from that will now allow me to start investing and building on my own business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you wouldn't even use a hundred, you just use, use yourself. Yeah. That's solid, man. Yeah. Which app or online tool do you use every day to help contribute to your success? I don't, it's not an app, but the calculator. Okay. Calculator on my phone. Yeah. Yeah. I do a lot of math on that. Crunchy yeah. Yeah. I crunch a day. lot of numbers. Yeah. I'll be driving or in an Uber. Oh, actually, yeah, the Uber app, actually. Yeah, yeah, actually, the Uber app. I, even though I have my car, I, I like the Uber app because at least it keeps my hands free and I could mm. do work while I'm moving around and send out emails, make calls, and not be distracted um, while doing it. So I'll say the Uber app, but apart from that, the calculator. Because mm-hmm. I'll be just moving around, and then I'll see either a project or land or something's emailed to me, and I'm just calculating the numbers quick, 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 um, either in my mind or um, or on the calculator. Yeah, so that's... That's what I use a lot. If you see a prop, like if you see an like if you're in an Uber, like, and you you see a land or a piece of land, and you're you're crunching number, like, what's the first calculation you do? Like, is that something you can explain or? Yeah, yeah. No, the first calculation I do is, you know, first off, how much is the land, and what could I sell in that area mm-hmm. at what price point, and then I start working backwards. I say, okay, if the land is in you know Bayview and York Mills and townhouses are. $2.5 million. You know, how much am I buying the land for? Okay. If I bought the land for that, how much is my construction cost? Okay. Cost is this. How much is my commission to sell the units on the land? Okay. Is that okay? Do I need a sales center? How much is that? Um, how much is it to build? Um, how much is it for marketing? How much is it for consultants? So I'm running those numbers roughly in my head. And then within an hour, I know, do I want the site or not? 
my god <laughs> that's crazy man what's the best advice you've ever received focus on your craft focus on your work and and the work will do the talking for you mm-hmm. right so that's why i didn't focus on building a big office i didn't focus on building the best website i didn't focus on having the best branding the best logo i just focus on my craft Mm-hmm. I just focused on the, the, the core of the business, the results, and then everything else could come. And now we have a nice office in a nice location. And now signage is going to come. And now sure, we'll get some good branding, but all that doesn't mean nothing. If you don't have a good core business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. List your top three most influential books. So the first book I read that, I wasn't forced to from a classroom point of view was (laughs) the world is flat. This by Thomas, Thomas something, but I can't remember, but the book is called the world is flat. And I I must've read that book almost 10, almost 14 years ago, 13, 14 years ago. And really the, from what I remember, the book is basically talking about how the world is flat and regardless of where you are, you could do business anywhere, Mm -hmm. right? Or you could do business with anybody. And using that mindset allowed me to sort of, from an investor point of view, think that, you know, I don't need to just focus on investors locally, but investors internationally. And that's how we've been able to grow so fast internationally without necessarily going around internationally looking for investors, uh, but using having that mindset. So that's one book. And then I read quite a bit of books um, with Warren Buffett, uh, The Investor's Guide. Um, was, uh, the intelligent investor, mm, intelligent investor. Yeah. Yeah. Warren Buffett. That's, that's one. And then, and then I just read a lot of articles, mm-hmm. uh, read a lot of different articles, financial post, globe and mail, you know, good articles, bad articles, bad articles, articles talking about the market in a negative way, articles talking about the market in a positive way, just all sorts of articles because it's good to know what the public is reading, mm-hmm. even though what the public is reading always happens a few weeks, months, or or even a year um, after the real things are happening. Like, mm-hmm. not obviously major news, but like in general, right? Like, if they're saying the market is crashing, you know, you would know that before the before the media says it, mm-hmm. right? So it's just good to know what the public is reading. So when they do reach out to you, which many of them do, like in terms of individuals we work with, you're, you're able to understand what they're about to reach out to you about, mm-hmm. right? And, and give them either a peace of mind or let them know, okay, here's a good opportunity because it is not actually what the media is saying, yeah. right? There's actually some plays available on the table or like, you know what? Yeah, that, that makes sense with what the media is saying. So let's, let's do this mm-hmm. differently. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Tell us something that you think is true about business that most people don't agree with you on. There's no overnight success and that you don't need flash to make it because, you know, a lot of people were always like, you know, Isaac, you know, you should really switch the website and make it more flashier. Or Isaac, you really, you know, you need a nice office, a nicer office. This is about maybe when I was first started. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, and I was trying to tell them that, look, you know, if, I'm an expert in a space and I'm besides somebody that comes from a nice office, but is not an expert in the space. I guarantee you, you know, that client, if they understand 
um, what I'm telling them will rather use me. And then also there, a lot of people say, you know, get a franchise in the real estate game. Don't build your own brand. You know, and you know, sometimes franchising makes sense, you know, mm-hmm. but, but sometimes building your own brand makes sense. And I'm happy that I took the route of building my own brand, um, because it gives me more ownership and it allowed me to now spin off two other things that are connected to the first brand that we built. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Is there any last piece of value you can leave with our listeners? Um, you know, believe in yourself, have faith in God. Um, you know, write down any dream that you have. Um, don't, don't be afraid to, to ask questions. Don't be afraid to continue to learn. Um, sacrifice in a positive way. And the reason why I say that is that I always bring back the story of UPS. You know, Jude knows the story too. You know, we were working midnight shift, 12 to 4 a.m., 12 to 5 a.m., sacrificing our sleep. You know, but we are sacrificing our sleep in a positive way, in a sense that we are sacrificing our sleep, but we were working at UPS, getting small income, but also getting tuition reimbursement and using that to invest in real estate. Mm. There's a lot of people that were also there sacrificing their sleep and weren't taking advantage of the tuition reimbursement. Mm-hmm. So two people is side by side in the truck sacrificing sleep, both making a sacrifice, but one is doing it uh, in a way where they could continue to grow mm-hmm. and the other one is just doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. And how can the Purposeful Story family reach out to you and follow you on your entrepreneurial journey? Um, so you go onto our website, dreamto.ca, um, and then we're also on Instagram, dreamto, um, and um, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And, you know, we, the good thing is that we have a lot of individuals, young professionals that we're mentoring. You know, we don't always have the time to sit down with people individuals one-on-one but you know the good thing they ask me questions either through email or linkedin and we're we're quick to respond whether it's questions on starting a new business or just investment questions and you know whether they're using us or not you know we're always um looking at uh supporting and helping the next entrepreneur that's solid man do you guys have any like courses or anything like that you guys do any stuff like that um we we we're you know, we're, we're going to be rolling out very soon once the hotel is done, um, sort of monthly and quarterly educational sessions nice. on entrepreneurship and on real estate investing. Yeah. Okay. So, so we, we've done it and some agents within our team has already, uh, are currently doing different sessions here and there. Mm-hmm. But we're going to try and sort of formalize it and organize it from a corporate point of view. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Isaac, I appreciate you coming on the show today, man. Pleasure. Pleasure. Thank you for the question. And, you know, it was, um, it was a great topic, an important topic, and I hope it touches um, at least one person. It's going to touch me. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> Thank you, Purposeful Family, for listening to the Purposeful Story podcast. And remember to live every day with purpose so all your actions are clear. Peace. That's all for this episode. I hope listening to this podcast left you with valuable information that either strengthened your purpose or helped bring you closer to finding your purpose. We all have a different journey in life, and this podcast is in support of everyone's purposeful journey. Thank you so much for tuning in, because without you, there is no Purposeful Story podcast. 
please feel free to email me at info at iamkobe.com and let me know what you thought of this episode. To help spread the valuable information this podcast has to offer, all I ask is for you to subscribe to the podcast via the Apple Podcast app, Podcast Addict, Google Play Music, or CastBox. Give a rating and pass this podcast on to one friend that you feel could benefit from this information. Don't forget to follow I Am Kobe Talks on Instagram for updates on new episodes and go to IamKobe.com forward slash Purposeful Story for more valuable content. Special thanks to DJ Anna for the beats and Lala Writes for the editing. Before you go, please remember that purpose drives your actions and your actions are a result of your purpose. Thanks again for listening. Talk soon. Wow, wow, wow.